it's like we finally have a solution. Yeah. With all these podcasts, how does one keep up? What are you not? Glad you asked. Welcome to the week in podcasting. Thank you very much. Smith Everett, Val Riley, Jeff Adams. Smith Everett, Val Riley, Jeff Adams. Smith Everett, Val Riley, Jeff Adams. The week in podcasting. And just like that, it's episode four of the week in podcasting. Seth Everett, Val Riley, Jeff Adams. Just find us Jeff Adams. He's on assignment. So Val, they left you alone with me again. Can you handle it? <laughs> I wonder if Jeff's assignment is on purpose this week. If he just had enough of us. <laughs> <laughs> I am done. I can do three shows. I cannot do a fourth. That's what he, he basically said. <laughs> he just, yeah, rubbed his hands together and walked away. No, um, I know. Hi, Seth. How are you today? <laughs> it's so lovely to talk to you. And, you know, you uh, this is episode four of the Week in Podcasting. And did you know yeah. that all of the, the podcasts that we are going to be featuring this week are submissions via our email address? So the email address is working. It's getting out there. The Week in Podcasting at gmail.com. Today, we are going to be f- focusing on sitting around and talking movies. Uh, milling about when they remember Jackie Collins and a b-ball breakdown. And yes, that means basketball. If you don't know what b-ball is, it's an insider term for the game with the hoop. It's basketball, basketball breakdown. And all of these podcasts have been submitted. You you look at the submissions as well. We don't, we have no power. We don't get to pick these these podcasts. But I will say the submissions have been very impressive. I love the variety of submissions too. I feel like it keeps, well, it keeps me on my toes every week. Cause I'm like, okay, what, what are we talking about? What do I need to Google real quick? Um, and uh, also I love that so many submissions are coming in and that we've talked about so many different things so far in our season, right? Do we call it a season? Yes, yes. Are we, are we so, so brave? Far, yes. <laughs> so far we have covered 12 different kinds of podcasts, including girls in heels, Vogue, uh, that's your favorite. What makes yeah, me weird? Fuel for warriors, fantasy guru, market foolery, movies, films, and flicks, business insanity, and ha-has for hoo-has. I challenge anybody to have a better title. What? Uh, what's your favorite so far? Do you have a favorite? So far, what makes me weird has to be my favorite because not only did he have the the guy had his son on, but they were talking about the Avengers movie, which comes out on Blu-ray this Friday. And yes, I already pre-ordered it. Thank you very much. Um, (laughs) The weekend podcasting at gmail.com and you can submit and there's it's very simple because there is a response. Podvader goes through these. Here's an example. This email came from John. He said, saw the tweet from Podvader about submitting a recommended podcast. Live on Tape Delay is a podcast started by a couple friends that ranges from sports to music and random things found on the internet. Released every Monday morning and just put out episode 24 today. So, John, if you're listening, none of us have heard the Live on Tape Delay podcast, but we'll take a listen now and try and get a clip on a future episode. But if you or any of our listeners right now have any recommendations of podcasts that you think should be featured just send the email to theweekinpodcasting at gmail.com. You can, can encourage your favorite podcast to submit their own clips using the same email address. If it's a podcast that you're a fan of and you just want them to get featured, so maybe they'll make more episodes, 
It's the same thing. The week in podcasting at gmail.com. I love the idea that the enthusiasm from social media and the enthusiasm that you're noticing is prevalent. And, and that's the thing. This week we celebrated podcast day. Happy podcast day, Val. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. I wish you could hear my eye roll. I am so sick of all these made up holidays. Every day is a new holiday. And like if you don't put a picture of your daughter up on your Facebook page on, you you're know, Daughter's Day, then you're then you're a schmuck. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> you're I, a bad I parent. I don't like it. I feel like Facebook yeah. is the new hallmark. It's national the best one was National Batman Day. I was like, really? <laughs> well, what do you do with that? <laughs> <laughs> do I get to watch Batman? Do you is do you have to watch the cartoon version? Can you watch a movie? What's the, I, I, I never understand. Do you have to dress up like Batman? I thought about it. I, I'll admit I considered it. All right. Uh, <laughs> speaking of movies, this is not about a Batman movie, but there is a podcast called Sitting Around Talking Movies. The people in this clip that you're about to hear are Neil Rosen, Bill McCuddy, and Bill Brigoli. The show consists of Neil and Bill, who do a show about movies on demand. They do it at New York One in New York. I love that, that station. Uh, it's also seen on Time Warner Cable nationally. They're joined by Bill Brigoli, an entertainment correspondent for CBS Radio News. The three of them do a podcast weekly about movies in theater and on demand, and they discuss TV shows that interest as well. In this clip, there's a discussion of the new movie, The Intern. Bill Brigoli plays interview clips of Robert De Niro, who talked about the movie at a press conference Brigoli attended. Maybe it's because I'm in my late 50s and want to be at 70 thought of as useful still, but uh, I just thought it was really, really charming. I thought it was one of De Niro's best performances in years, and what again, what amazed me about it is that he wasn't doing like a psychotic or, like you said, this over-the-top Fockers kind of thing. He was just a normal guy, and I really was rooting for this guy. And I, I think it's taken even a talent like Robert De Niro a while to get comfortable doing comedy, and this is now he can be sort of himself or a regular guy. Yeah, he lays back in this. He's not doing a parody of himself. Not at all. Been doing like Analyze This and all yeah. of those movies. Well, Bill Brigoli sitting next to me here actually uh, caught up with uh, Robert De Niro um, at a press conference that they had recently and spoke to him and asked him a bunch of questions. And uh, How'd that go? <laughs> actually, as anyone who's interviewed De Niro knows, yeah. he can be a little difficult. Uh, he's often paired with somebody else. In this particular instance, he was in a whole panel with Nancy Myers and Anne Hathaway, and uh, he was being peppered by questions. And I asked him, kind of going along with the movie's theme, if anyone has ever mentored him. No, I never had a mentor like that. Uh, I, I think P I, I, uh, I don't envy, but I do think that's a great thing if you are lucky enough, especially if you're in a certain untenable situation and you have a, a mentor who will change your life. And, and uh, they can do that. Uh, I, I didn't. <clears throat> I meant it myself uh, in a lot of ways. <laughs> but he went on to say, "Great, great, uh, great question, by the way." And I, I liked his answer. And actually, there was more to it because he went on to say that he's actually asked people for advice. I have at the times asked people who were further on in their careers, like Kazan or certain actors who were older, who were a generation ahead of me. I'd ask them questions, you know, like what to look out for, blah, blah, or your experience, because I, I want to, you know, like take a shortcut in some things. I don't want to have to experience something if I don't want to. It's going to be a negative one. We'll just get some words of uh, advice. 
You know what's funny about that is that I would have thought his mentor or somebody that he would have gotten a lot of advice from that he didn't mention is Scorsese. If he had anyone in his life to me that sort of mentored him from the mean streets on, I would think that Martin Scorsese would be the guy that he would uh, that he would sort of have called late at night, worried about a character, worried about what's his motivation, and and I'm sure they've had conversations like that. But he uh, he mentions the, those other great names, and yeah. so uh, that's someone. Not, well, someone followed up and asked him, well, what did they teach? You and he said, I don't want to get into it, it's kind of personal. <laughs> uh, I, first of all, De Niro, I, I've interviewed a lot of people in my career. I don't know what an interview with Robert De Niro could be like, and I love how he dismissed the idea of a mentor, yet said exactly that he had mentors. <laughs> I've heard that De Niro is quite feisty in interviews. Um, not that I've interviewed him either, but I, you know, it got me thinking about the idea of mentors because I'm reading the new Mindy Kaling book right now. It's called, what's it called? It's called Why Not Me? And her mm-hmm. mentor is Greg Daniels. And in it, she has him write like a little blurb about her. And they kind of make this interesting point that like, it's kind of hard to be a mentor without feeling like you're giving coaching tips to your competitor, you know, because <laughs> like age is not really a factor anymore in mentorship. Right. And I think that's what the movie is about that De Niro's in is, you know, he is the intern. Um, right. And so I think it's great like to be a mentor because you're kind of unselfishly giving away your trade secrets. And they kind of gave this tip in the book about, you know, what it takes to find a good mentor. And they say, I just liked this. They say like, okay, identify the person, right? And then get close enough to them to be able to steal their Wi-Fi. Like just get yourself in the same room, you know, and like just be in their circle. And that's how Greg Daniels said he got, you know, the office to come to the U.S. is just by kind of right. stalking those, um, the British guys. Yeah. Right. Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant, right, yes. who had the Thank British you. office. And then they adopted it to become the American office, which both shows are unique. The first season of The Office is like the British show, but everything after that is just their own thing. Like they, they just did a, a phenomenal uh, creative thing about a stolen idea. Like it, it yeah. the office was a British show, but by the, by year two, the, the American office is totally different. Did that help you with reading uh, your book? I, I like to help you when you're reading. <laughs> what? I don't understand the question. <laughs> All right. This particular episode can be heard here at blogtalkradio.com slash Neil Rosen, uh, N-E-I-L Rosen. Uh, and you can also find it on iTunes as well. So I just like to help accentuate things that you're reading. I'm very interested in what media and entertainment you consume. Oh, yeah? Are you? <laughs> well, it's better than your... I, I, I would much rather hear your reading a Mindy Kaling book than watching The Real Housewives. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Well, you know what's interesting about what I'm reading right now um, is I'm reading the Mindy Kaling book, but what I'm supposed to be reading is, oh, crap, this isn't going to be good because I can't remember the name of it. It's so confusing. It's an intense drama about um, a child in Iran, but it's told in comic book form. Oh, nice. (laughs) The last, I'm going to look it up and I'll tell you. Anyway, so that's what I was supposed to be reading and it's a little intense. Um, And so I started reading Mindy Kaling. So I kind of go back and forth between those two, which is kind of, you know, a mind game in the evenings. Um, 
But I read that and I read Vanity Fair and I tried to listen to all the podcasts that you listen to. You sent me a list of the podcasts. I sent you, you a list. To. Yes, I sent yeah. you a list. <laughs> it's so funny because one of them that you sent me has, it's called like, what the F, right? Something WTF, like Mark, Mark Marin. Yeah. yeah. It was good, but the, uh, the language was in the particular episode I listened to. I don't know if it was just that episode or uh, all of them, but it was so dirty what they were talking about. <laughs> I was like, and I listen to podcasts as I'm doing my normal everyday life, right? So I'm like pushing the stroller, like picking out some <laughs> produce at the grocery store, stopping at the playground. And I like, I, it was when I was at the playground, right? And I was like, okay, I have to like, take these out so i put it i put it on pause and i took out the earphones and like you know there's laughing children all around me and like moms talking about you know mom stuff and i was like what what is happening like i was in an alternative universe it was very that's funny right. that's what i yeah. like to do keep you on your toes and i'm always interested in people and what they're reading did you ever read a jackie collins novel you know, I have. I um, I used to go to my grandmother's house every summer for a week or two, and she had all those juicy novels. And so when I was like in junior high, I discovered them, right? And I was like, what is oh, in these? Like, I'd never read a story <laughs> like that. I was like, oh, my goodness. And so I used to read all of her smutty books. And <laughs> yeah, I was, I was uh, pretty obsessed with her at one time. Well, there's a great podcast called Milling About, and in it, they remembered the late Jackie Collins. Uh, they have a re-airing of a 2009 interview with her in lieu of her death recently at the age of 77. The clip that we're about to hear is how Jackie Collins is in the age of social media and how the, she got away with being scandal-free. Talking about Twitter and this age of electronics, media, and everybody knowing everybody's business. What was the scandalous thing that you've ever done that, that went out there? Well, I've managed to stay scandal-free. Oh, boy. <laughs> I just write about other people um, because I think that, you know, I was always smart enough to know that you don't take nude photographs of yourself. You don't do a sex tape. You don't get involved in drugs because then you lose all sense of proportion. And so I would be watching other people behaving badly and writing about them. I mean, writing has been my life. I have a passion for what I do. I love writing books. I love the fact that people enjoy them. I love the fact that they're excited when a new book comes out and that I hear from them now because of the social media. I have a huge Facebook page and, and as I said, the Twitter page. And it's lovely to hear from people, to hear from my fans, to hear from my readers. I welcome it. And I answer a lot of them. Oh, you do? Yeah. A do lot of people on Twitter don't answer, but I do. So, so Jackie Collins says the best way to keep nude photos off the Internet is don't take them. What advice? <laughs> Brilliant. I love that she mentioned that she uh, responds to fans on her Facebook and Twitter page because I, I have a friend named Kate Casey and she has this site called loveandknuckles.com. She's hilarious. She does like um, 
pop culture commentary and recaps of reality TV shows. She's really funny. Anyway, after Jackie Collins passed away, she wrote, one of the highlights of my writing career was getting supportive tweets from Jackie Collins, who was a prolific writer and an inspiration. She sold more than 500 million books over four decades all over the globe. She was sassy and fun and hilarious. And I just think it's so, I mean, I'm sure Jackie Collins would have loved to hear that, that like, you know, she responded to to what her was just a tweet on her Twitter page, she calls it, which I think is funny. But, um, you know, it really had an impact on, you know, other people that are aspiring to be leaders in their field like she was. Did you ever read any Jackie Collins, Seth? I cannot say that I have, but I have (laughs) seen it. I have seen it. I've seen girlfriends who owned Jackie Collins novels, if that is any consolation. Have you you ever posed on any of the, you know, book covers? I could see that. Yes, yes, yes. I'm in her... (laughs) I'm in her 1986 version. <laughs> yeah. Can you, imagine? You can... um, just to just to let you know that that intense book that I'm reading is called The Complete Persepolis. Oh, okay. It's a comic book, but it's an intense comic book. There you go. You paid it off. How about that? People were wondering. <laughs> uh, you can find yeah. Milling About uh, at blogtalkradio.com slash Robin Milling. Uh, that's where the whole concept gets about, Robin Milling. Uh, and of course, her most recent episode Clever. is a re-air of a 2009 interview she had with Jackie Collins. You know, Jackie Collins is an interesting character because she was prevalent in a time when bookstores were prevalent. Uh, you'd have to imagine whether or not Jackie Collins could have a similar impact in this internet age where everything smutty is available. You know what I'm saying? Like Jackie Collins presented something that was relatively hard to access. In a mainstream way. That's a good point. You know, because she had so many books and, you know, they turned them out so quickly. And by the time the Internet came, you know, she was already a big, successful romance novelist. Right. I see was there. Yeah. Yeah. She came around in a time where. You know, now, you know, it, it, look, we're talking about the the Internet age. We're talking about newspapers. Magazines are changing. Well, so are brick and mortar bookstores. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Bookstores are not the same. And now you can read on a Kindle and you can download on your iPhone or your iPad or whatever, whatever things you your your, your drug of choice. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I wonder if the shock value of Jackie Collins, if she was brand new. If a brand new writer named Jackie Collins burst onto the scene in 2015, could she have the same impact? Yeah, I'm not sure about the same impact. I see your point. But I will say that, you know, as much smutty as there is on the Internet, there is still very much a skill to writing about the smutty and not being the smutty. You know what I mean? And so in in that way, I think that it's a skill and people would still read it. But, you know, to have, you're right, the access to, I mean, you know, there's probably a hundred Jackie Collins out there trying to do the same thing right now and good for them that they have the internet. And they all have blogs and they can, they can do it differently. Right. Right. It's very different. Do you watch the, uh, the, I think it's Showtime. Uh, They do that show Masters of Sex. I tried and I don't know. It wasn't really my thing. Do you watch it? It's. It's the show. It's it's supposed to be a, a a recreation of the life and times of Masters and Johnson, who wrote you know the 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 um basically revolutionized the sexual revolution. I I find it fascinating, and it's not nearly as salacious as people make it out to be. It's really uh-huh. just a story about these characters, and 
it, I don't know how much of it is fictionalized, but it, it just seems pretty darn fa fascinating. Like there, it's not, it's not as smutty as a show called masters of Sm sex would be, but it's not, not full of naked people. Well, right. The the interesting parts I mean, are when like they do their examinations and they like they put them in a room and they're standing there behind like a, a like a a mirror and like they can't be seen and they're watching these people. Like th there is that element to it, but I, I don't know. I just think it's it's actually it's it's much more intricate than just that. I, I don't know. I, I would I'd be curious to get your take. Well, it just reminds me of uh, that other show that I can't think of right now that's, like, um, about a king. <laughs> What's it called? And it's a got king? a bunch of – yeah, and it's got a bunch of nudity in it. It's got that really pretty actress with the brown hair who everybody's Game saying the Thrones? new pig looks like. No, no, no. <laughs> but, um, uh, gosh, what is it? Oh gosh, sorry, I can't think of it right now. But it's like you know, uh, old England. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, it's I don't know why my brain isn't working today, but it's like uh, old England, and people always say that they watch it for the story. Like, oh yeah, that's so highbrow. You know, it's about old England. Downton, Downton Abbey. No, <laughs> but then like you watch this show and it's like all naked people similar to Game of Thrones. Like there's a bunch of period shows on, you know, Showtime and HBO that I question who watches and why, except for there is also a good storyline in addition okay. to nudity, <laughs> in addition, which is never something that should be frowned upon. Uh <laughs> <laughs> well, I know why you watch it. Well, of course, because, you know, I'm just a typical guy. Um, speaking of typical guys, what guys aren't into basketball? Well, there is a basketball breakdown. It's the B-ball breakdown with Coach Nick, host and creator of the most popular online channel devoted to NBA analysis, where we break down NBA games with freeze frames, arrows, and slow motion. In this clip, the guest is Ethan Skolnick. He's a good writer. Uh, formerly lead writer, of uh, NBA writer at Bleacher Report and the Miami Heat beat writer, and now a radio host on 790 The Ticket in Miami. I, I've interviewed Ethan Skolnick. Um, they'll get the details and insider information of all the teams around the NBA, bringing on beat writers and national NBA writers. Let's listen to this clip with Ethan Skolnick. I had a, um, a professor come on of sports uh, from Michigan who wanted to defend LeBron and almost insist that they should have player coaches now. And I just feel like you mentioned how LeBron gave some of that power back to Spolstra after he realized how much of a burden that was. So I find it kind of curious that he, I mean, I guess maybe it's not curious. He kind of, it sounds like he reverted back to that in Cleveland when he, uh, in the finals and didn't give up that control again. Well, I think a lot of things happened in Cleveland, to be honest, that were reverting back to pre-Spolster days. Um, or, or I shouldn't say that. Pre-kind of coming together of Spolster and LeBron days. Okay, there was, you know, if you, I mean, the numbers speak to it. The isolations speak to it. Um, the, the playing the three almost exclusively speaks to it. You know, one of... You know, look, like I said, LeBron was an ally of Eric's for the most part in Miami. But the one thing that I do know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they quarreled about a lot was LeBron playing the four. Um, that was a, a big sort of sticking point. And it's why uh, LeBron didn't speak publicly about it a lot, although he did when they played against Indiana. He wasn't very happy about having to guard David West on a regular basis, which is understandable. Um, but 
he he didn't speak about it a lot publicly, but we knew that it was an issue. And one of the reasons that Eric referred to the Heat as positionless so frequently was because he didn't want to characterize LeBron as a power forward, even though that's the position he was playing most of the time. And he was playing it uh, in a lot of situations. I mean, if you look at their numbers, they, they went through a scary stretch in terms of uh, how dynamic they were with LeBron playing the four with spacers, basically, and mm-hmm. Bosch at the five. So, you know, I, I think that what happened this year was, look, LeBron made it very plain that he wanted the ball at the top. He wanted to play essentially point forward uh, quite a bit, um, you know, because I don't know that Kyrie can be classified as a traditional point guard. He was playing right. off the ball as much as he was playing on it. And so I, I think that, that what we saw this this past year was he went back to a lot of the things that he used to do in Cleveland previously and, 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 and also in his first year in Miami. And, you know, he talks about it was efficiency is so important to him and is very proud of that statistic that seven straight years his, his shooting percentage went up uh, until it, it topped at 56.7 in his last year in Miami. And, of course, you know, he was down in the low 40s for a good portion of the year. He ended up, uh, you know, in the high 40s by the end of the year. And then we saw, obviously, in the finals, particularly and in the playoffs, where he didn't have a lot of help, where the, the shooting percentage, you know, the Chicago series, I think, was 39.9. I think the Atlanta series was also uh, 39.9. So... You know, I, I think what happened was he went back to everybody's like he's playing a new way. In some ways, he was, but he was really playing more sort of the pre-Miami way uh, than anything else. And and again, that's one of the things I'll be curious about. He's so smart, his basketball IQ is so high, and he recognizes these things. And I'm just curious as he goes back in the lab. And when I had him on my radio show on on Sirius, he talked about wanting to improve certain things. There's no doubt in my mind that that the the major thing on his mind this summer is getting his efficiency back over 50%, back where it was. Uh, if they don't have Kyrie for a first couple months, that might be a bit of a challenge. But I think that's a, a big, big part of it for him is being as efficient as he was. And that means getting the ball in different situations. You know, one of the stats that, that really interested me, and I, again, I don't have the, the exact number off the top of my head now, but Nick, if you look at his assist, his percentage of baskets that were assisted, okay, in Miami compared to the last year in Miami compared to this year in Cleveland, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it dropped precipitously and then dropped again, basically in every playoff series until that bottomed out in the, in the finals where basically nobody was passing to him for a score at that point. Now, again, having Kyrie, if Kyrie is, you know, develops more that part of his game, if he's healthy, that will help. But LeBron had to handle the ball so much at the top and make plays for everybody else this year. They have to figure out a way to get him on the move more often, get him more easy looks, because as he gets older, it's going to get harder and harder for him to have to create for everybody all the time. You know, there's two things for that. Number one, uh, for those of you who are a basketball junkie, that's a great basketball break- breakdown. Skolnick does a great job there. But the other point to note for those of you who are not basketball people, I think it's very important to recognize the, the who LeBron James is and just how it is not just easy to be him. This is a guy who, sure, he's in the new movie Trainwreck. Uh, he's getting all the commercials. He's the best player on the planet. He earns all of that. I just think that needs to be noted how complicated his work is. He gets a bad rap because he went to Miami, whatever, move on. He went back home. He's with Cleveland. And I, for one, have become such a huge LeBron James fan for he's a player. I I don't have, I have no contact with. 
I wouldn't know from a hole in the wall. I met him once. I talked to him for 30 seconds. He seems like a nice enough guy, but what a great player. <laughs> well, I'm just excited to be a basketball fan again. I mean, uh, so in high school, <laughs> taking it way back, um, oh I, I, basketball was my favorite sport to cheerlead for. It was so exciting and so fun. And our, our girls team was actually better than our boys team. So we did. That was a little bit more exciting. But, you know, then since then, until last year, I didn't really think much about basketball. And then, you know, here living in the Bay Area, we had our Warriors Cinderella story. And that was really exciting and kind of got the whole Bay Area back into basketball and reminded us that we have a team here and it's not the Kings, <laughs> you know, and I, and I started to learn about LeBron from last season because obviously they were up against the Warriors and I heard all about how he had to play hero ball and his other key players were injured and um, so, you know, consequently, he wasn't as efficient, I guess, as he had been prior. And that I guess there was some tension between him and the coach last year, right? Um, but I think just the process of going through that whole experience last year, the stressfulness of, um, you know, nearly winning despite injuries and with a new coach, like they've got to come out of that better and stronger. You know, I would only imagine, hopefully not as good as the Warriors, but I still think they're <laughs> going to be pretty good <laughs> in yeah, my, you know, I, I mean, expert sport fan opinion. <laughs> I mean, there's this great debate about, you know, people have short-term memories. They remember Michael Jordan, that yeah. everything was easy for him. And that wasn't the case. And Michael Jordan had to win over the officials. And LeBron James is in the process of doing that. It's, it, it really is. It's just a, it's a great thing. And, you know, for me, I'm not the biggest NBA person in the world. I've been very critical of the NBA in my life. Uh, so for me to, 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 for it to hold my attention, it's a great testament to a podcast. I'm not just saying that. I'm glad it was featured. And I will subscribe and I will download. Uh, you can find it at blogtalkradio.com slash breakdown spell that correctly b-ball breakdown and uh that's a, a podcast that I, i'm interested to see where it goes skolnick was a guest i'm a huge ethan skolnick fan i want to hear how who his other guests are and i i plan on looking at that as well so um look it's october basketball season starting in november we can do much more with basketball the baseball playoffs the football season is on the college season is going. The NFL has been wild. There's so much going on. <laughs> Val, Val, it's a sports person's great time. It's a, it's a wonderful time to be a sports person. Don't you want to come to the dark side? <laughs> I like watching sports. Actually, so I have to say watching a basketball game live is so exciting and loud and intense. I'm wondering, what is your favorite sport to watch live? Oh, hockey. Hands down, hockey. Hockey. Oh, yeah, I guess so. I've never oh. been to a hockey game. Yeah, hands down. If, if you're talking about in person, hockey's the, the absolute yeah. best. Um, and then what about the on best. TV? Well, I will say the NFL is great for 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 television. I think the colors, I think the the helmets, I think the sounds, the look of it, I think it it, it is great. My my thing with the NBA, I I love it when teams like the Warriors win. I just wish there were more competitive teams. That's all I'm saying. Just give me more right. competitive teams. Like in baseball, you know, if if 50% of the teams have a shot, that's that's great. In football, tw you know, 20 out of 32 teams have a shot. That's wonderful. In basketball, it's like six teams have a shot. So, like, I feel yeah. for the markets that, that aren't that good. And I, I always – I just wish – 
I wish better things for them. Maybe they can do that, and we can break that down on a future future episode of B-Ball Breakdown. I want to be on their that's show. So, that's it. I just decided. That's so empathetic of you, Seth. <laughs> so uncharacteristically <laughs> empathetic of you. And also, um, characteristically of me, as you called it, the show I was talking about before is The Tudors. The Tudors. There you go. The Tudors. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The yeah. Tudors. There's your, there's your, okay. Do you have anything that you can't remember now and you can just remember it next week? I have serious mommy brain today. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> well, no, the where's week? my child? I'm just kidding. That's right. Yeah, you, you really don't know. Uh, the week in podcasting at gmail.com. Uh, that is the, uh, the way uh, you can submit your clips. And like I said, uh, this week, all the submissions were through that email address. So keep them coming. We have many more to sift through and we will plan on doing it. Our crack staff is on the case. Uh, as as we speak, uh, I do want to make one plug. Also, uh, uh, Jeff is normally with us. Jeff Adams, uh, he has a show called the Jeff Adams Show that is hysterical. I've been on it. Val's been on it, uh, and you can find that at Blog Talk Radio. Uh, you can also find some of my podcasts. I do this fun podcast called The Hall of Justice, all about comic books. Uh, and the most recent episode, and I, I, I said we were going to be doing it last week. Um, it's out and you can find it at blogtalkradio.com. Summer 78. It's a three minute YouTube short film. Val, I, I implore you to watch this. It is literally about it's a it's it's about a kid playing with toys in 1978 and what that was. And I don't want to give away the big plot twist at the very end, but it's a three minute movie. I think you can handle it. Um it's <laughs> even a fantastic I have time for that. And the director and creator of the whole thing, he was a guest on the Hall of Justice podcast, and it was a great thing. Also, on a podcast called The Diamond, we do a tribute to Yogi Berra, uh, the late Yankee great who passed away. And on Sports with Friends, there's a great new epics documentary called Doped, uh, and the filmmaker is on the Sports with Friends podcast. So there's lots going on, lots of things uh, to talk about. And then Val has all her other (laughs) things going on. Tell us. Yeah, I mean, I have all kinds of uninteresting things going on that are not on the internet or on blog talk radio. (laughs) But um, we have this podcast, which I really enjoy every week. Uh, And I do, you know, brilliant, funny and irreverent things on Twitter at Val Riley. (laughs) Go find me. Seth will be proud if I increase my social media presence. (laughs) That's right. When she tweets, well, she she definitely trolls on Twitter. Because I, uh, it was podcast day the other day, and I tweeted all the podcasts that I host and some of the ones that I listen to, and I forgot this show, and you quickly made me remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you still didn't tweet about our show, so we're in a virtual fight, you and I. <laughs> that's right, we're having... Well, Happy that's like... effing podcast day, jerk. <laughs> Happy effing podcast day to everyone and all. The Week in Podcasting, that's episode four. For Jeff Adams and Val Riley, I'm Seth Everett. This has been The Week in Podcasting, episode four. We'll see you for episode five.